0: From Kalilu Studios in New York City, you are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part sit down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. Kashana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. What happened in the meeting after the meeting? We talk about it all on Let's Take This Offline. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Crystal M. Cherry is a nationally recognized nonprofit executive and professionally trained fundraiser. With over 20 years in the nonprofit sector, she has supported higher education institutions, human service organizations, and faith-based missions. Crystal also served as a senior consultant at the Georgia Center for Nonprofits and is currently the CEO of The Board Pro, a consulting firm designed to transform leaders through board service. As The Board Pro, Crystal works with nonprofit boards to coach, train, and counsel them to be effective governing and fundraising arms for their organizations. She also assists with finding qualified and diverse talent to add to boards, onboarding, cultural assessments, and diversity equity and inclusion training. Crystal earned her MA in Counseling from Hampton University and a BA in Liberal arts from Hofstra University and has a myriad of professional development certifications in nonprofit leadership, social media fundraising, and nonprofit management. She currently serves on the board of the Greater Atlanta chapter of the Association of Fundraising Professionals and the Villages of Carver YMCA. She is a proud mama of an amazing young man and her first children's book, Mac and Cheese, Being Different is Okay, was released on Amazon on November 21st, 2021. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Kishana, and I am back in the studio for another amazing episode of Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. I tell y'all, I think I say it so much, y'all, on a broken record, that I know just like the dopest humans in the world. And today is a special episode because um, y'all have told me that you want us to talk more about being a parent, being a caregiver, and all of what goes into being a leader when you have to navigate a whole nother set where you're trying to trying to guide these young people into being leaders. And so today's guest, Crystal Cherry, is like one of my faves in the world and has such a dope story about um, parenting and adoption and really thinking about leadership through that lens and so i'm super excited to have you on today crystal what's up my friend hey 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 i'm so excited to be here thank you for having me hey hey, hey. i couldn't <laughs> wait hey, <laughs> hey, hey. listen y'all we've been trying to make this happen since the end of season one i just want you to know yes yes out here, we're all doing the darn thing with yes. this pro and uh, snatching these boards edges and getting them in line <laughs> <laughs> Snatching them edges, girl. <laughs> snatch your edge. If your edge has not been snatched, if you did not have to visit the hair club for men, okay? <laughs> have you been to a board pro training? You have not. But Crystal, before we jump into the work stuff that you're doing, like, I, you know, one of the things that I love about you is just, like, the the level of joy that you bring to every aspect of what you do, you know? like if, yeah. if you, Even before y'all, before we started recording today, Crystal was like, well, how are you doing really? And I was like... And then, <laughs> just being able to create space for me to do that is is such a joy. Um, But you have a little person at the house, okay, Mister? Okay, I do. A little person at the house, and Mr. These, okay, they will they will drive us to drink. And it, is he in middle school yet? He's in middle school, he's in the seventh grade and he's home today, by the way. Is he? Oh, so listen, friends, if y'all hear a knock on the door and if y'all watch I'll pop in, okay, because listen, Malcolm makes himself known. He is known. Yes, he does. He known. <laughs> but isn't middle school odd? I feel like when, when I was in middle school, it was like the Wild Wild West. I really thought like, I'm gonna lose this kid to the streets. I don't know what is happening in the middle school. What are these kids learning and doing? Me. Yes, yes.
1: Uh, well, I actually had to pull him out of public school because I was going to have to blow up somebody's building. So he, he's in what a he's in a small private school with fifteen kids. Wow, so,
0: so. class on his school, his whole school. Holy moly! <laughs> You're not playing. Wait a minute! I ain't going I fuck man. After young man.
1: I Fifteen a kids, kid. and the whole damn school, girl. Because yeah, I was gonna have to kill somebody in public school, so I was like, no.
0: Because public school, but listen, public school sometimes will have you like just, just tight, okay? Like I, yep. I I'm a product of public school, and so and you grew up in in New York, right? New York, that's right. Did you go to public school in New York City? I did. But so you already know it's the wild, wild west. Forget it. Forget it. Okay, that's every man and woman and them for themselves. Okay, because that's it's right. Just, it's just it. Um, so you pulled him out of public school and you had to put him into private school. So how's he doing? He's doing fabulous.
1: He's doing wonderful,
0: but they were trying to put him in special ed. You know, you know, he,
1: he was diagnosed ADHD. We had him on medication. We had him all and all of that stuff. And, um, it was craziness. And I just decided, okay, wait a minute, stop the bus. Somebody's got to get off. I think it's me. So, (laughs) so I pulled him out and I found this real small private school, these two retired teachers who are old school, but who love our babies. Yes. And who talk to them about character development, and integrity, and good home, good home grooming, and all the things that we know we want for our kids. And, um, and they teach them about life skills. Like my child is cooking, and he, he, he sweeps the floor, he puts out the trash,
0: he does all they have to do to keep school. Yes, it's wonderful. It's so good. Listen, you're like, about the, what does he know how to cook? Because I know, because the Queen Aja is about this ramen. She does the breakfast food. She does the this, so this, mo- this morning, he scrambled me some
1: eggs and <laughs> made me um pizza toast. In your um,
0: life? Yeah. This, this <laughs> he made with scrambled eggs and juice. Oh, listen. <laughs> I, I, was your house. I know these these meals very well. My breakfast this morning... Was Vienna sausage, which is still a delicacy in my house. It's a throwback from when we I didn't know we didn't have no money growing up <laughs> some days. Okay. So we ate the bully beef, which is corn beef for y'all who are not West Indian. And we ate the the Vienna sausage. I like mine cooked. And so tonight this morning, she bust out a whole waffle of the Vienna sausage. I was feeling her in a pack. Look, and she gave me look, I'm gonna show y'all because I still have it on the table. And she even gave me a little protein. Cause she said, Mommy, I don't know if it has enough protein. Oh. Yes, I gave you half. That's necessary. Okay. Listen, that's how, to that's how they get to you. So, you are raising a, a, a and a, what a handsome young man, and, and a, a gorgeous, bright, um, just a happy kid. So, but your story doesn't start here in middle school. We, you know, a lot of times we talk about our kids in passing like they are a part of the story. Yes. But he opened up a whole new season and a whole new chapter of your life. And I want to get to the beginning of that chapter. Yes. So to me, about how. This little gem came to be. I want to know.
1: So um, let's see. When I turned um, 40, I started thinking about whether or not I wanted to be a parent. Um, because the, um, the the male thing wasn't working out so well. I, had, I looked around at a couple of the guys I was dating, and I was like, mm, no, yes, not man. him. Mm, no. So no. I didn't see anybody in my life who I wanted to have lifelong ties with. And so I started thinking about adoption and I was like, I'm gonna do this. Well, anyway, my career was moving pretty well. I had just gotten this big job at Spelman here in Atlanta. I moved down from, from DC back to Atlanta. So I was like, okay, let me put it on hold for a second. Let me see how the career thing works out. Maybe I'll meet my, you know, my my, my Mr. Right. Well, anyway, at 45, <laughs> I looked, I looked around again at some of the some of the Negroes I was dealing with and I was like, mm-hmm. Still still no go. And I tried. I I looked at each one of them. I was like, okay, well, he's kind of tall. He's kind of cute. And I was like, no, I can't can't do Bobo as a daddy. So I was like, you know what? We're going to have to do something else. So I decided that that was the year that I was going to go ahead and make this adoption thing work. So I started doing research. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I started doing research and trying to figure out what I was going to do, how I was going to do it, so on and so forth. Um, But what I did decide and what I knew early on was that I wanted a boy. Um, right. And in my mind, um, the whole reason, I mean, part of it was selfish. I wanted to be a parent. But the other part was I looked around at some of the young men that I had in my life and some of the men that I saw growing up in our community and the boys that my girlfriends had. And I saw how they were struggling for lots of different reasons. So in my mind, it probably doesn't make sense, but in my crazy mind, I thought, it makes it. It makes it. you know, in addition to being a parent, that's what I want to do, my raising a boy and maybe this is presumptuous of me, that I could raise a boy that would grow up to be a wonderful father and or um, husband for another sister. And so mm-hmm. in my mind, I was thinking, this is my way to leave my legacy and to give back to my community, to give back to my sisterhood. And if I can do that, if I can accomplish that and make, make someone else's life happy, um, mm-hmm. then I've done a great job. Now, it may be all very, very um, zealous, and lofty and he may grow up to be you know a a criminal i don't know but i'm doing my damnedest to try to be like but i (laughs) i'm doing everything i can to to, to give this little blexican a life of um, (laughs) because you know he's biracial black and mexican so i call him a blexican um, to to try to give him a good life and a good solid uh, foundation so that he can grow up and do something wonderful in our community to give back to our people, to give back to a sister by being a wonderful wife and to be a good father. And so that's kind of how I had it all thought out though. That is like so awesomely well thought out though.
0: And you did that without talking to a soul, not even your sister? Yeah, because I,
1: I, I just had to come, you know, it took me a long time to finally get up the nerve to finally do this. I knew only one family member who had adopted. Other than that, I knew nothing about it. And um, I wanted to make sure in my heart and in my mind. I had to pray about it. I had to journal about it to yeah. make sure it was the right decision. And then when I told everybody, no one believed me anyway because
0: they was like, "You, like, you're not doing that. What you? look, you're
1: 45 years old. You got your career. You're traveling around the world. Yeah, you got your thing going on. You are not going to stop and be nobody's mama."
0: yes, I could so see that as being a conversation. (laughs) In fact, when I
1: finally told my mom that I was going to be adopted, she was like, girl, would you stop? Would you stop cutting
0: up? You know you're not
1: going to be nobody's mama. And the day that they called me about him, when I called her to tell her that I was going to Texas, because I had already tried um, adopting him in in Georgia, and it wasn't working out. So Mm -hmm. I had to expand my search. And so when I got the call that he was in Texas, and I called my mom, I said, mom, I got a call about a baby. He's ready. I'm going to pick him up tomorrow. Are you coming? I want you to come. She hung up on me. Oh, she no. yes, she did. And no. when I pulled her back. She was like, can you stop talking? I was like, mom, I'm serious. I'm going to Texas no, tomorrow to pick up a baby. And she cursed me out and was like, you were so impulsive. Who's in
0: Texas? Who is this baby? I said, are you coming? Are you not coming? She said, hell yeah, I'm coming. What time are exactly. you ready? Why, why do mamas do that to us? They will cuss us clean out and be like, pick me up in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then be upset. holding on to the person in the car. Let like, like upset. Okay? Well, just let me tell you how faith works,
1: Kish. Because uh-huh. you know, although I had done all this research and I had prayed about it and I was excited about it, when I got the call, I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> I had bought one little technique, right? And so when they called me, um, well, you know, interestingly enough, when they first called me about him, it was the first call I got, um, I wasn't ready. And so I told her, I said, I can't come and get him tomorrow, blah, 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 blah. You know, she said, OK, no worries. Six weeks later, she called me and said the same exact thing. And I didn't even put two and two together that it was the same child until a year or so later. Um, uh-huh. She called me back and said, I have a little boy. He's in He's in Texas. He's biracial, Mexican and African-American. And his mom is ready to sign his rights away, the rights away, but you have to come tomorrow, which is what they had said to me six weeks earlier. But at this point, I had been through six weeks of all these sad stories, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Yep. So, when I finally went for it, I decided to to go pick him up. And we were on the red eye the next morning going to Texas. The whole time, my mom was in my ear talking, talking, talking until I had to ask the stewardess to move her because she was working my <laughs> she, was doing, she was doing that much. Girl, uh, I was picking rock yeah. and orange juice the whole ride.
0: Excuse me. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so, so so before we jump into like picking him up, cause I want to get into that. Talk to me about like some of the challenges about adopting in your home state, because I would have thought like, okay, there are so many babies and so many little kids and young people who yes. are like, what about me? So let's, yes. let's pick me. Hello. Right. But the system is, is not designed to make it easy for folks to be able to care for our young people. So what was what what was so tough? Like what was the thing that you ran into the most? So a couple of agencies, remember this is a private adoption. I
1: wasn't going to the state, right? Okay. So some of the agencies were reluctant to adopt out to a single parent. Um, 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 the big one here um, that everyone, a lot of my friends who I now have used was um, a, a Christian adoption um, um, organization and um, initially they were not open to adopting out to a single um, to a single person so um, and I wanted a boy and a lot of the adoption agencies um, want you to take whatever is available and interestingly enough girls cost more money yeah. so um, it's a business and because I was dead on that I wanted a boy. They were um, very excited. Yeah, so they weren't as excited to work with me. but And, of course, there
0: wasn't going to be as much money for them. That makes perfect sense. And people don't recognize that whether you go through a state agency or you go through a private agency, that there are time costs, there are actual cash, monetary costs, um, and that there's a line that adoptive parents have to ride, right? Like you, have to, you have to walk between being able to expand your family, being able to bring in a baby or a little person, who you want to be able to grow and raise and will raise is your own mm-hmm. and then the business aspect of it folks going yep. through your assets and going through your your history the interviews like there's so many things that you basically are lay bare are you not you are and i I always say that you know if, if folks
1: who, who can biologically have children had to go through what I went through and what those of us who got went through they probably wouldn't do it because, I mean, you are interviewed, your background is checked, you gotta have letters of reference from your job, from your church. They come and interview your entire family. They walked around my house with a, with a white glove, <laughs> yeah. checking for little dust spectacles everywhere. They went out in my backyard, asked me questions about the fence and who was, what was behind the fence. They had to have fingerprints. They had to have a report from 911 that there had been 911
0: calls from here. I mean, it was just crazy. I really do wish sometimes that people would go through that level <laughs> before they had. Yes, that together. a lot of people would not qualify. Would not qual- Hello, <laughs> Talk about population control, they would not qualify. They yes, would, they would not qualify. So you had to go. So that that's that's a level of mental toughness and fortitude that you had to have in order to be able to navigate what I imagine at sometimes were like choppy waters, right? That's a lot of detail. And a lot yes. of information that you have to be willing to... Yeah, so y'all, y'all, you really got to want to do that, okay? You got to want to do that? Yes. So now you get on this red eye, you move your mama's seat. Why Why you making her? She was working my nerves, girl. All the nerves worked. So you get to Texas, and then what? So
1: yes, I had contacted a colleague who I had met who had come to Atlanta the year before when we had a big meeting mm-hmm. and asked her where could I stay in Texas because I didn't know where the hell to stay. Yeah. And she insisted, this is how God works because I, I didn't have nothing but a teddy bear, remember? Okay. You know, I, when I called her, she said, girl, you can stay with me and my husband. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Well, she was pregnant when I met her the year before. And she said, we just moved our baby out of the nursery and into his big boy room. So, come stay with us. We have a nursery and everything is there. She said, just come. I got onesies. I got pampers. I got everything that you need. I got a car seat. I got everything. Just come. I was like, what? What do you t-? She said, I'm telling you. Just come. And I said, well, I can't impose on you. I don't want to. She said, girl, I said, well, look, I'm bringing my mama. She said, we have an in-law suite. Your mama can stay on the other side.
0: <laughs> no uh I'm telling you, when you put your faith in God, because yes. I just said, one of my steps, and show out. He okay. showed
1: out. And so we ended up staying with them for a full month. Girl, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. Go- wow. So then you got to have that support. Yes. To be able to have that transitional time. Oh, it was to awesome. Into that. Oh, so. Yes.
1: And so that woman is now one of my best friends. And she's also a member of F3. But oh, yeah, she, awesome. um, so to be able to stay with her and her family, because a lot of uh, friends who I knew who were adopting, who uh, adopted out of state, during this whole time of transition had to stay in a hotel while they were waiting to get the baby and get permission and all that kind of stuff. So the fact that I was able to stay in a beautiful house with a nursery and, you know, I could put my baby in this nice little tub as opposed to being
0: in a hotel. Yes. Such, so it, uh, it yeah. Yes. So tell me how life changed for you once you came back home. Cause you were in a, you know, had a thriving career, you know, where, career fundraising professionals, which means that our lives are about being in front of people and talking to folks and going to close the next thing, moving and shaking. Like, you just have to be on the move all the time. And now you got a little baby. Yes. Well, you know, I went into Go Move. You know,
1: thankfully, I talked my mom into moving here from from Virginia Beach and um, she traveled me. So, when I went back to work, because I was traveling, I was a national director for the United Negro Conference. So I traveled around the country to 27 different offices to help train our other directors of development in those offices. Yeah. And um, I took the baby with me, okay, the first year. My mama traveled with me. We had our whole little team going um and my boss who was mad cool uh he would often he would pay for an extra room for my mom i I pay for her travel but he would pay for an extra room for my mom and when i had to go to my meetings i would just knock on the door hand her the baby okay, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> go to we'll go to my meetings and then come back but that whole travel piece because you know travel is not friendly for Ooh. infants but we had that whole thing here, here's the shoe here's the bag here's the backpack here's the I mean, when we'd be in the airport, taking our shoes off, I mean, we had the whole thing down pat. I took like 30 trips that year. So my child, before he was one years old, had been to Cali, had been to New York, had been to Vegas, had been to New Orleans, and he was a a sleeper. So he slept on the plane, and it wasn't until he became a toddler that it became a problem. Right. Then he didn't want to sit still, and he was, you know, being a pain.
0: and Do all the things. So how did that affect like your social life? How did it affect your work life as he continued to grow? Like what were some of the things that you, that were like unexpected in how you were moving in your career trajectory and how you expected to kind of like, you know, like how you operate because you are an accomplished single woman for your adult, the large part of your adult life. And then you willingly thrust yourself into parenthood. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, and it's you know, some days you think, oh my God, I did this to myself, right? Right. I didn't just get pregnant. I made a conscious decision to be a mom. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, it was definitely a transition because, you know, I was used to being able to just do me. I remember the first time I left him somewhere. um, I left him in the car when I went to to the post office. I was standing in line in the post office and just standing there kind of just listening to music and and then I realized, oh my God, (laughs) I got the baby in the car <laughs> I, gotta go. I told forgot <laughs> and the first time I locked him in the car at, coming out of Walmart so yeah so okay. all of that was an adjustment and then just
0: not being able to get up and go get some bread without having to worry about bringing the baby with bring you bring the baby, the baby dress, do you have enough is it close to nap time etc so how Did you know what Kish? it was so
1: my, I never looked back. My mom says to me, For you sure. know, we laughed about you and we didn't think you were going to be ready, but I I went into straight mommy mode and um he became my priority shifted and everything that was important to me was no longer important to me. I wasn't in the jewelry section at Target. I was in the baby section at Target. Yeah. And it just, it's a natural thing. You know, that whole mother thing kicks in. So. It kicks
0: in. But, and so you said your priorities change. And I think that's the thing that a lot of times when we think about parenting and we think about caregiving in general, like there's some of us who are not parents, but now we are caregiving either for our parents or for nieces and nephews. But in adoption a little bit different because you, st- you have the questions. The questions never end. Like I think, Folks do not ask me how I was born and came to be. You know, they do not ask. They don't ask questions about that. They don't you're her mom. Oh, you look just alike. But folks have ongoing curiosities and judgments um, and uh, preconceived notions about your decision to uh, adopt and become a mom. But you said your priorities changed. And so when you think about your priorities, what are some of the, like, lessons, the early in lessons that you had to be like, oh. Okay, then. all right. Uh, let me get it together. What am I doing? All right, I'm back. What are <laughs> some of the things that you had to like, kind of gather yourself um, in your sort of early years, um, and then, and as you're growing um, now, as he's growing. Oh my gosh! Now, before you know the, the boys will be gone and into college. Well, um, well, the first thing I had to do was to
1: prepare. So, because I knew I was 45 years old, adopting a baby by myself, right? And so I had to think about what what would happen to him should I have an early demise, right? So I had to sit down with my family and have that talk and just say, listen, if I'm gonna do this, I need to know that this baby's gonna be taken care of if something happens to me. You know, He's already um, been gifted away once, I would hate for that to happen again. And so I had to have some really serious conversations with my family and one of my sisters and her husband stepped up and said that they would be willing should anything happen to me to take him and raise him. And so we had to do that whole thing. You know, I had to give them all the information about my life insurance and how I wanted him to be raised and, you know, how I wanted him to be disciplined and whether I wanted him in private school or public school. I mean, we had to have that conversation. And I revisit that conversation with them every couple of years to make sure nothing has changed. So you, you're you constantly thinking about how am I preparing for this kid? And then, of course, because of your he was adopted, I want to make sure that he never feels like he's been deserted again. So... That's definitely one of them things. And then, you know, I contacted all the brothers in my life uh, and said, look at here, look at here. Uh, Let me explain something to you, okay? I don't know how to teach this boy how to be a man. So I'm gonna y'all to step in and step up. And I got three or four commitments from some guys who said, we'll be there for you. One in particular, who ended up becoming what I'm calling Malcolm's dad, who I lost last year in 2020. Um, but he was there when I came home from the airport with Malcolm. He was there with the gripe, gripe water at 3 o'clock in the morning when the kid had the hiccups. He was there when I was ready to throw his little ass out the window. And I was like, I don't want to be no mother no more. I like I said. That's it. So, and then the last thing I did was I found a support group. So I was, girl, God, it's so good. I found a support group of African-American women, of women who were in their 40s and 50s just like me, who wow. had adopted. Um, and um, some were single, some were married. So I found a support group that I could lean into when I was having those moments where I was like, what the hell am I doing? And we were all having those moments. So I think putting those, all those support systems in place, my family, my bros, uh, my, you know and then having a support group of mamas who were also adopted mamas. And we talked, we exchanged stories, we knew each other's stories, we got together, yeah. we, we vacationed together, all that kind of good stuff, and that helped.
0: Let's take a quick break, we'll be right back in a few. We have all been there. Losing a team member is like throwing money in the trash and putting it outside for pickup. In fact, according to my most recent deep dive on these internet streets, according to the research, you can lose up to $200,000 in revenue and a lot of time when you don't make a great hire and your team members, well, they leave. So how do you find amazing talent and create the conditions for them to stick? If you've ever had a hard time hanging on to your team, you're looking for new strategies to help your team grow, or you're ready to level up as a manager and leader, then I have something for you. Sticky Teams, a private podcast just for everyday leaders, people managers, business owners, and folks who are looking to do talent management right, so that you can recruit, retain, and develop great employees. I'm gonna help you keep them engaged and make sure all of this aligns with the strategy and goals of your organization. The days of hiring and firing, of finding them and losing them, are gone. Dig on in to Sticky teams over at kashanaco.com. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Now, let's head back to Let's Take This Offline. That's so good. And I feel like that one of the things I'm drawing from that that I think that all of us can learn is about how important it is to prepare. And I know when you're out working with boards, right? How many times do you say to yourself in the car, like, so so you're supposed to not prepare? Wait a minute. So not prepared. Okay. So <laughs> how often do you find yourself coming back to this like preparation conversation and talk? <laughs> I wonder about that.
1: Ooh, girl, well, I, you know, this whole working in this board space, it's been a joy. And by the way, let me just say, I'm enjoying it, but they are so clueless. (laughs) And so, which is in some ways good, because that means I'm always going to be in business. But yeah, I mean, preparing people to be board members is is something that a lot of nonprofits don't do. They just think we're going to ask them to be on the board, and they're just going to know what to do. (laughs) They're going to know what we need. They're going to know how to raise money. They're going to know how to recruit new people. And they just don't. So, like everything, you have to prepare and and train, and and a lot of board, nonprofits don't do that. So,
0: and, and and the leaders who are who are running organizations don't sometimes know, but don't know how to act on, or sometimes don't know, but are acting anyway. Mm-hmm. That you need and a support system. You know, oftentimes when folks come to me for leadership coaching and support, or they come to me to train their leadership teams, they're like, "Kashana, I just don't. If something happened to me. I don't know what." I can't step down because without me, I'm doing, I'm working with a particular client now and they're working on succession planning. And that's one of the conversations that we're having, particularly as it relates to like, do you have that support team? Do you have that plan? Do you have what's going to come next, the contingency? How are you revisiting that? And so I'm curious about like um, some of the like the big key lessons that you're, or discoveries that you're learning now um, in your journey as an adoptive parent. Cause I don't, I don't even think, you know, so crazy like, I asked you the question, and I don't even see it that way. I, like, it it's so interesting that um, I see you as, Krista, you're a mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, motherhood, or parenthood anyway, just really,
1: it, it, it changes you, and yeah. it makes you lean into your own weaknesses, um, and yeah. you realize... It Yeah, I mean but you know what? I I have a really good relationship with Malcolm because I don't try to play it off like I know everything. Like I I tell him, look here, I ain't never been a mother before. Okay. There (laughs) is no book. There's no encyclopedia. Okay. We win in this. Okay. So so I'm gonna need to give mommy some grace because sometimes sometimes I'm not sure and I'm just gonna do the best I can, okay? So if I make (laughs) a mistake, I'm gonna apologize for it but we just go we're gonna do this together so i don't try to pretend to be this you know this expert on motherhood and i think being vulnerable for your kid and letting them know that i'm trying to do the best i can for you and sometimes i don't get it right sometimes i make mistakes and and we're going to learn and we're going to do go this together so i think having that kind of relationship with him really helps and it takes some of the burden and the pressure off of me because yeah. it's hard trying to and now particularly since i'm trying to do my own business you know, you, you you work harder when you're working for yourself. I'm hustling, I'm humping, and I'm on a, sometimes on Zoom calls and stuff until eight, nine, ten o'clock night, and I'm like, boo, wait, hold on, you're gonna have to go play Fortnite because mommy's not done yet, and I just need you to get that, and we'll make it up on Saturday. I still love you, you're not deserted, but I gotta do this thing so I can make some money, and That's he right. gets it. So, That's
0: it. you know, i, just, and, I know like an only child because I have one too. He's on an only child, right? Like, there's some things that the babies just get, they just get. You know, yeah. like, y'all gonna have to entertain yourselves. Yep. We're gonna have to have understanding and compassion. We're gonna okay. have to learn some patience. And then, you
1: know, I get into questions now, you know, as he's gotten older, you know, he started <laughs> questioning to me, yeah. the questions about, you know, his biological mom and the story yeah. and so on. And as time goes on, I tell him more and more that I think he can handle. I'm always honest. I've always told him he was adopted. I didn't do that that, that dance. From the time he I brought him home, we talked about what adoption meant and how much he was a gift to me and how this was God-ordained and um, this was something that God wanted and that he is the best gift that ever happened to me. So I never pretended that I was his biological mother. I've always told him and been honest and transparent with him. And I, that's my recommendation to anyone who adopts, is do not pretend because at the end it's going to bite you in the butt.
0: So I feel like I love that so much, like just the honesty that comes with that. When you think about like I have a lot of friends out, so I'm in my early 40s and a, quite a number of my friends don't have children and are, even just this morning, I was talking to one of my girlfriends who was like, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to take this position over here or if I'm going to have this baby. Because let me tell you what cannot happen, the both of them. Yes. And I was like, why can't the both of them happen? So we're like brainstorming about that. But a lot of us are, I even though I am done with the baby making, I have told the gentleman callers, <laughs> Caller, hello. I'm to providing a full-time living nanny for these old-ass eggs. <laughs> the shop is closed. Thanks. Thanks. All right, bye. <laughs> but we we're talking about like the decisions and the choices that we have to make right now about how we want to govern our lives, how to prepare, etc. And folks are worried and scared, you know, and trying to figure it out. What do you say? What do you do? Is this even an option for me? Do I feel like a failure? That's one of the big questions. Well, yeah. I think,
1: you know, I think for, you know, for, for me, I've, I mean, of course, having a child in your life changes everything. So you are just not free to move about. You can't just pick up and take a job somewhere else. You know, <laughs> you can't take on a job that's going to require you to be gone all the time. So I could never be like a CEO right now because I just can't put that kind of time and energy into it. You know, I got to be mindful about who I date. Yeah, you know, I have to tell them this yeah, exactly. is the... Like, and particularly at this, you know, I was talking to a young uh, 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 look. I had talking to a a young gentleman the other day, and um, he questioned, "Well, you I can't believe you're the age you are. You have a son." You, I said, "Look at here, it's it, it's a bundle, honey. It's, it's a bundle." A okay. So it, it, if you can't handle it, I totally get it. I know that your kids are grown, but if you can't handle it, then this is not the right opportunity for you. So um, we just got to be real, keep it real about where we are in our lives and. I have a 12 year old. So if you want to date me, then part of being part of our lives means that you're going to have a young man in your life.
0: Correct. And if that's not the party you're trying to come to, I understand. Right. Are right. Parties for you, to journey, you know, so there's A lot of sacrifices we have to make. And I don't think we talk about the sacrifice aspect enough because I feel like when I talk, when I start to talk about sacrifice, I feel a lot of guilt. Um, and one of the things that I, I talk about, I was talking about this with the teenager the other day, cause you know, she's in 11th grade. And so this year we were talking about her being ready to date. Oh, wow. Right? Yes. So I said when she was, since she was a little thing, you know, 11th grade, ma'am. Okay. And she's like, <laughs> that's so late. I mean, the baby started school. She's not even 16 yet. Like, so I'm like, first of all, I think I'm giving you a three month head start. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're talking about dating um, you know, I have always said to her, since she was a little thing, you know, I'm a woman first, it, you know, I did not sign up for the life of solo mamahood. We are where we are on this adventure. So we're going to make the best of it, which mm-hmm. means that your mama is, might be in these streets from time <laughs> to time. You know, I've always said this to her. And so I didn't hide my dating life from her. I didn't hide any of that stuff. I also didn't bring her into everything, but now that she's older, she knows it. Right. Right. Yeah, got questions and comments and the comments And so, <laughs> as we were talking about dating for her, uh, what well, she said that she's on the one hand ready because she feels like I'm past that lying phase, mom, that I have to like make up stories like in junior high school. Um, and also, I think I have a good sense of my boundaries. This was. This was <laughs> she <said. laughs> yeah, she got a good sense of her boundaries. Listen, <laughs> some of us in our forties still trying to figure out what is the no. boundary and how is And the was out here like oh, about my boundaries. Um, <laughs> But on the other hand, I think no because I don't really want to be attached to anyone. I sort of focus on my sports and my schoolwork and like enjoying high school because high school I feel robbed.
1: Oh that's my like, god, I
0: love it. <laughs> so when she said so she turns it on me. Well, what about you, mom? This is how I ended up going on my quest to date this summer. Well, what about you, mom? You know, I just feel like you're you're dating your work. Yes. Like, no, if that's healthy, I'm going to be going to college in this, in two years. Like, what are you going to do? Yes. They have questions and curiosities, and I've had to try to explain to her. You know, there's certain rules of, of, you know, the rules of the, of the of engagement that you and I have to operate because we have you, child. Right. You well, know? one of the things that
1: my advice has been given, and particularly because of the age that I'm at, is that you know we do still have to, even though our kids are definitely our priorities, we do still have to prioritize ourselves. Yeah. You know, and my mama said, "Looky here, okay." Uh-oh. You and the, you and the laddie is, You better get it in. Hey. Um, your baby gonna be all right, but you better okay. make sure that you get some fun and some joy in for yourself. And so, just trying to find that balance. And I have to say to him sometimes, look here, mommy needs some mommy away from you time. Okay, so okay. I'm, gonna you. I'm gonna need you to either go to your room, go outside, or and or I'm out for the weekend. I'll see you in a couple days. But I think you
0: do have to prioritize because if not, you, you'll go bonkers. You go bonkers. And there's an expectation that we're supposed to manage all these things fluidly. You know, you are um, growing your practice. Yes. So you have um, a beautiful community that you're building that I'm a part of, F3. Yes. um, Which I want you to talk about briefly. And, you know, you you are like a whole fly ass woman doing things in the world. (laughs) Okay. And so it's a lot for us to show up powerfully in each of those areas so what are some of the things that you find yourself drawing from from those early days of preparation and planning and anticipation and just going for it that you got to go back to now as you are preparing him for right because he's pre-adolescent he's going into the once he gets to the teenage age listen and all right and you're entering your next season of your life so what are some of the things that you're thinking about now um as it relates to like where you're going and where you're headed
1: yeah. So he and I have been having a conversation because I told him that I've always wanted to live in another country, and yes. that when, uh, yeah, yes. and so um, we're really, really toying with that when I turn 60, which will be in just a few years, yes. uh, he'll be 15, um, that we might pick up and move somewhere else, and he, he's all in. I so we that. are researching now some places and trying to figure out what that looks like, and. We're both ready for something different and something new, and because I keep telling him this world is global; it's not just yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. And I want you to see the world as such. And there are so many different people and customs and backgrounds, and who eat different and who have mu- music and all kinds of. Things. And so we're going to go out and live the world a little bit. I think.
0: I I'm, first of all, you know, you're like when I turn say i I'm like, do it today, um, <laughs> because that's one of the things. And it's it's selfish, it's selfish because one of the things that I remember when I first got divorced, um, I had an opportunity to go lead an organization. Um, over in Ireland, oh, had two. Really? one in Ireland one in Jamaica, and for both of those development roles, I was shook. Talk about shook ones, okay? My parents were not retired yet. Yeah. I swear, I was coming and going. I, you know, I was like, "Who's gonna sell the house? What's going to <laughs> happen with the baby? what's what's childcare? I should have just packed that darn baby up and go, just go." Yeah. And what's interesting is like, I don't know if it's like it's not a new movement for sure, um, but it definitely has more visibility now about yes. so many moms who are, there's a Facebook group I'm in called Wandering Moms, um, who are leaving the U.S. Mm-hmm. and are moving to other countries and are trying to just do, just do not trying, they are doing life differently, being yeah. full-on professionals, great parents, having their children be citizens of the world. Yes. Um, so that they, to your point, there's more than the city that they're from um, and there's so much to learn. And I just see a lot of moms just taking that like just taking it back. Right? No.
1: So yeah, so right now, it's all about, you know, paying off debt, which I'm almost done with. <laughs> know, still putting away money for this boy to go to college, but also putting money so that when we're ready to make our move in three or four years, you can uh, hopefully I will have built my business up. I'm going to spend some energy building my business up over the next couple of years, and I'll be ready to bounce out. So we've been that. talking about the future and
0: what that looks like. So I love that, and he's excited and on board. He is. He is. It just and look look at you preparing again. Look, y'all see a theme with Crystal. Crystal is listen. She's not doing stuff if she's not little prepared. Okay, she might not talk about what she's doing, but the preparation is occurring. So if y'all are noodling on a big idea and you're noodling on taking a big step, a big leap, you know, here's an example of a really, really, really um, dope woman who has done that a time or two or three, and is considering it again, like this a next big leap. Yeah. Um, for you so speaking of big leaps you know when you decided to start the board pro and just say you know what here's where I'm going to focus in and um, here's 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 where I see there's a challenge in the market why boards and why this particular like lane of focus because it's very specific yes. um, and very much needed
1: yeah so I you know after I decided okay I'm done I'm done with the fundraising thing I'm over it I'm burnt out I, just, I, need, to, I need to change lanes um, but I didn't necessarily want to leave the nonprofit space. So I was trying to figure out where could I fit in? Where can I make an impact? How can I monetize this? Yeah. Uh, I just kept thinking about all those board meetings that I sat in where there was just no energy. People were looking at it. People seemed apathetic. The, you know, the CEO was in there lying and telling some big rosy story. Uh, board members didn't know how to read budgets. They were just st- rubber stamping reports, I mean, it was just bad. And I just start thinking, you know, that's the area. If I could start at the top of the organization where they're making decisions, maybe yeah. I can permeate down and help us fundraisers down to the next level. Um, if mm-hmm. we have folks who really understand what fundraising is and you know what's entailed in fundraising and what's required in order for us to steward donors, so all the things that we know, if I can start at the top and maybe provide some training there, then the folks, again, here's me thinking how I can maybe have an impact but somewhere nice. that's gonna yes. help.
0: You're, you're always thinking, but you're like, what is the impact that I need to have?
1: This yes. Is, yes, yes, because I'm thinking about, and then in a way for me to have, um, some, not only can I enjoy this work, but again, maybe help leave a legacy for an organization, right? Yeah. So that if I can help t- train those at the top to be good leaders, and you know about this, right? Make good decisions that it will permeate down. The staff will have better leadership and they'll be able to fulfill their missions. So
0: I just want to focus in on something you said though, because I don't want people to miss it. It's okay to build something that you get to leave a legacy that also has widespread impact because i think a lot of times we get too twisted like you could either if you do something for impact it can't be for legacy or i don't want to tell people i want that that's what my legacy to be because it doesn't sound like it's serving others enough or i can't benefit from the work of the legacy i'm trying to build and we don't talk about the money part either you're like um i don't want to leave the sector but i want to do something um i do need to feed myself and my child and make sure we're good what does those things? Like? It's okay, and particularly in the social sector and nonprofit sector, a lot of folks have this idea that we're supposed to be oh, so. no, just, no. just out here just giving everything away. You no. can't you to give it all away.
1: No, no, no. We definitely need to. We definitely need to eat and win. I you know, I, I've given away a lot of services last year because I was trying to build and, and, and build my credibility. But I'm like you now, you're going to have to pay me (laughs) for every brain cell I got, anything I can contribute, anything that's going to make it better, it's going to cost you something. That's just the way it goes. So, (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, at the end of the day, this is all for me about purpose and legacy and why I believe God has me here. He has me here for good things. My life will have meant something because of all, you know, because of what I have my hands in with F3, you know, with, you know, with raising this boy, helping nonprofits, you know, I just feel like when they finally put me in the grave and my time is done, they will have said, yeah. good job. Good job. I believe so.
0: that. I believe that. And you're doing it in so many ways. One of the things that um, was a really, um, a gift in the last two years is that so a couple of years ago, which I I should know this because I remember. A couple of years ago, you started what what, what was at the time like a get together over lunch. Like <laughs> get together monthly because these people out here tripping. And yes. about to blow it up, blow it up. So we should get together so we do not blow things up. Okay, okay, okay. So you started this awesome, awesome, awesome um, group of women coming together over lunch. And it was fabulous, fabulous, days. fabulous yes. for black women. So talk to me about the day you picked up the phone and said, should we get together for lunch? Yes. Uh, it was one of those days where I wanted to blow up the building. <laughs> um, <laughs> i about the that We had those days enough. We you had days where you
1: like you know what on. I got to get the dynamite. This is this is, is not it. It. <laughs> yes. And uh, I just need to talk to somebody because I was like this is some bull. Yeah. So I call one of my friends and was like let's get together, girl. I just need to talk. It was the middle of the day, but we had wine for lunch. That's it. And uh, <laughs> we just both felt better afterwards. It was just like, yo, this was so cool. We should do this more often. I feel like I need somebody to just talk to, whatever I'm going through. And she was like, yeah, let's do this again. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm going to bring my girlfriend so and so. I was like, yeah, I'm going to bring my girlfriend so and so. And so the next time we got together, it was four of us. And then the next time we got together, it was nine of us. And the next time we got, and next thing I knew, we had 26 people in the room. And I was like, wait, what's
0: happening here? What's going on?
1: everybody kept saying that they felt like this was a safe space for them that they can come together and have somebody who understood what they were going through as a black woman in this nonprofit and in this fundraising so and that's kind of how we met and then when the pandemic hit we started meeting virtually and um, one day someone said you know what maybe we should open this up to see if anybody else might be interested in joining our network and I was like what do you mean (laughs) <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean open it up? Open up to who? <laughs> and um, they, they convinced me like you know there's probably other women who would be interested in joining our network and so I said okay yeah. and um, we just kind of opened it up and put it out there and then next thing I knew we had people calling and texting and how do we join? And we was like join? Join what? Well how much does it cost? I was like uh, cost I, I don't know so anyway so we eventually decided that we were going to be a thing and we were going to create a network we had to come up with a website and everything and um, I don't know we just start calling ourselves fabulous and that's how fabulous female fundraisers is we just said F3 was going to be the name anyway, here we are fast forward two years later we got 50 members in 13 different states in Canada
0: <laughs> I love it you know, I'm all part of which I am proud. Yes, and we have Kishana Coleman as one of our members. I'm so excited. And these women are fabulous. Let me
1: just tell you how they are powerhouses in their own right. I mean, we're talking about executive directors. We got attorneys. We got business owners. We have consultants. We have alumni affairs people, events planners, PR, the whole nine. So anybody in the nonprofit space, if you need somebody with a, with an area of expertise, I got you covered.
0: I love it. And I think one of the things that is so um, dope about belonging to that community is that there is um, a sense of, I've been in your shoes, you know, Um, particularly because of experience and because of how many of us have um, been homegrown in the sector and have had to like shift gears, et cetera. So I love it. I think that it's so dope. And um, is so needed, and it's it, it's an interesting thing, you know, in creating community. And this is something that you and I have talked about. Um, when I created the Rita Collaborative a few years ago, I always tell this to the joke that I was like, I wasn't trying to create a community. I said Jesus told me to create a retreat for the people to come one time, okay, just like, one time. It was one time. Um, but what you continue to see over time is that there are. Um, there are in, in different slices of the internet. There are there are different things that folks are craving, and there's a need to have this interconnected web, mm-hmm. um, so that at whatever season you're in in your life, that you have a place and space that you can grow in, lean into, give back to. Okay, y'all, because y'all are just being takers in the communities y'all belong to. We need people who are also giving. Yes. Um, and so all the, the communities that we are um, co-creating allow us to be able to have that space for women to do that and for folks to do that. Um, and I think is really important. And again, goes back to, I think, the whole adoptive story. Here's how I put it together. You ready? So <laughs> you was out here one day feeling like, what the fuck? Okay. This is my podcast. I can on it. That's right. If y'all don't like it, switch out. And then you call your friend and you're like, I got to do something different. I've been longing for a thing I didn't even know I needed. You have a conversation and then two by two and four by four. Similarly, as you became a, a, a parent, you had to two by two it and four by four it, you know, and start to bring folks in and come together. And so this idea, and, and without with, not without planning, right? Not without happenstance. And so I think that all of those things are interconnected. And so it's so powerful to me to see how your decision to become a mom really, like, I don't even say reordered, because they probably were the steps they were already ordered. You just say, the steps didn't reveal themselves at that moment, but really ordered your steps for where you are now, and it's it's really, really dope to see. Okay, I can talk to you all day, y'all. Y'all know I am. I'm I'm very verbose. I'm very verbose. I have all the words. But I want to make sure that I ask all the questions. I hope you're ready for the popcorn portion of the program. Okay. (laughs) So, I would like to know, what is your secret talent? Ooh. Ooh. Secret talent. Oh, Ooh. secret talent. Show it to me. Show it to oh, me. Oh, my goodness. Um, what do we not know you know how to do? I think my creative talent is being creative. Like,
1: I, I love decorating. I love coloring. You know, I love to be artistic. Yes. You know, I love to draw. I love to paint. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of the thing that gives me some catharsis, you know? And so... Um, anytime I can be creative, you know, like I I, I show this all the time. My, my print's drawing because you know I love purple. Yeah, I know you um, love.
0: But
1: <laughs> um, yeah, you know I have. Um, I do adult coloring. Uh, I I, paint. You know? Oh, do you know that I
0: started that because of you? Really? Yes. Oh, I will. I'm gonna send you a text message with it, y'all. I have a whole coloring book and gel crayons yes. are the best things in life. Um, <laughs> because like, Crystal was like, "Yeah," and I color as an adult. And I was like, "You do what?" And then yes. I went up in it and was like, coloring. <laughs> <books for> me. <laughs> yeah, and, but when I'm stressed, i go, like, "Oh no!" I close that lap and I pull out my coloring book and I be like, "So my coloring looks real aggressive." I just want you to know, it oh, <laughs> looks good though. That's good.
1: think about coloring; is you can make it be whatever you want. You can color hair purple. You can color teeth green. It.
0: You can do whatever you want. You know I love that. Okay, yes. Yeah. So, bringing your creativity, you do. You have all the decorative, artistic. Like stuff, and you don't show it off enough, which, in my opinion, so yes, I do think that's secret talent. Okay, thank you. What do you think is one thing that leaders should be talking about more?
1: I think leaders should be talking about um, the importance of role modeling for the people who they're leading, because Mm -hmm. the whole thing is is that you the whole the, the whole thing about being a great leader is that you're nurturing and building. Future leaders, right? And so I remember, for instance, I will give you an example. When I was a supervisor, I called my team in one day and I said, "I need everybody to bring in their resume." And everybody was like, "Oh God, you're fired!" But oh and um, and so when I said to them, I said, "Look at here, some of y'all, you know, y'all might be lifers. I don't know, but some for some of y'all, this is just a stepping stone." Yeah. I want to make sure that we are filling this resume in with all the things that you need for your next job. So, if you're a marketing person, do you need professional development? Have you gone to any trainings or anything lately? Let's look at this resume to see where we need to fill in some gaps, you know? And so they were all looking at me like, and I was like, my job is to make you a leader so that when you leave here, you can take everything that you learned under my tutelage and under my my religion take
0: it back out the street and be awesome <laughs> exactly don't you have yes. see these streets i mean it too yes you no. here, here looking crazy talking yes. about who oh, used to work for kashana and you don't have the right skills you're not on point your stuff is not sharp mm-hmm. it's you a reflection do. on you yes exactly yes. right call me selfish okay i don't care but we're gonna make sure that you're getting this work i love that because you do
1: that for people kashana and they will be loyal and they will follow
0: you And they will be on your team and work hard for you if they know that you have their best interest at heart. Even to this day, I remember I was um, leading a webinar a few weeks ago for a conference and I had somebody who I worked with, I promised you 10 years ago that I had lost touch with this particular team member who in the comments was like, Kish, I hope you remember me from da-da-da-da-da. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, what? He <laughs> connected on LinkedIn, had a whole, co- jumped on and did a, a virtual coffee chat. And he, is, I still talk about it to this day about how you yeah. used to speak. So yeah. oh, that impact is so, so important. Yeah. Okay. If you were a sitcom character from your favorite sitcom, oh. who do you think is most like you? Who do I think? Is or, who you look like? or which combo? Because uh, one of my guests recently, she was like, actually, I have a matcha of a couple of shows. <laughs>
1: um, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, it, whoever it is that's keeping it real and being mm-hmm. honest, you know, I'm bold and direct, but I, I'm yeah. not scared to show a little vulnerability. And I think that's probably one of the, the things that makes me me. Is that, yeah, I'm going to tell you like it is because I'm a yeah. New Yorker and I'm about being transparent. Right. But I'm also willing to admit when I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, also, I'm also willing to share when I'm feeling bad or feeling blue right. or where I need help. And um, I think I I would be a character like that. So I don't know who that would be. We'd have to think about that. Yes, but,
0: okay. Okay. So if Crystal texts me, y'all, with the character, I'm going to drop it in the show notes. <laughs> I'm to make sure that she has an opportunity to do that. <laughs> Crystal, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. This was a fabulous, fabulous time together. I am so glad that we were able to have you on the show today. Me too, finally. Listen, y'all, if y'all were excited about this episode, please make sure you like you share and subscribe, tell all your friends so we can make sure that we keep this thing going. And I will be talking to y'all real soon. Crystal, I will see you soon, my friend. Thank you, cash Thank Thanks you for y'all. having me. All right, stay happy. Like what you heard and need a little bit more of this in your life? Well, I want you to head on over to KishCamp, my virtual camp for stressed out managers who are looking to manage people better and lead with confidence. You can head over to KishCamp at www.kishcamp.co.